Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Again, Jim Gerhardt, along with Bob Williams, asking the musical question, where are we going and why are we in the handbasket? <laughs> man, I tell you, nobody could deny that the handbasket is hurtling on. This week has been something. Oh, man. With, with the, the bombing, uh, what, tsunami that went on. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the shooting in Pittsburgh. I don't know what you. How do you respond to something like that? It's very very difficult. It's it's just completely sad. You know, I sit here and I feel as I did in 1968. I was at WNBC, and uh, this was after the assassination of Dr. King, and they'd gone on for a couple of days. NBC News with uh, just total coverage of that, but they got to the end. Naturally, I go in and here's uh, what Red Mueller, I think at the time, Sandy Van Oker. And they're sitting there, and I hear them as I go in to sit down. They're talking about that's the end of our coverage. And all of a sudden, I'm it, and I don't know what to say. In other words, the whole NBC coverage of that event had stopped. How do you follow that? You just... I, I don't know. I, I'm it's, sure I didn't do it very well. <laughs> but, who, but, but nobody, again, nobody would. You know, uh, uh, trying to just avoid some emotional response to the big thing, which is almost impossible to do. It's it's incredible. There is a question I've had since the first reports of this. Now, the first reports said that the killer, this is Pittsburgh, that the killer of the people in the temple had said to police that all Jews should die Mm -hmm. or to that effect. But he said... They are committing genocide on my people. Did you hear that line? Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that. I don't understand. Well, you means. see, this is the thing that, that, that I wonder about. They are committing genocide on my people. Now, where could possibly that come from? Only one place. The only people who could, I guess, exaggerate the situation into a genocide would be Palestinians. Hmm. I mean, there's no nothing else going on in the whole world that, that Israel is uh, involved with. Right. Um, and, of course, that accusation does come from Hezbollah and some of the Palestinian organizations. Now, they have, a, I guess, a claim to, what, uh, land aside because there was a lot of land expropriated. But that's another thing. That's not genocide. But I never heard another word about that. So the question is it was he a palestinian well certainly not by appearance or by uh the name right but what did he mean by that the jews are committing genocide on quote my people mm. i'd like i'd like to hear more about that to see what it is just yeah. who did he consider to be the my people mm. i i don't know but uh again the uh the Let's see, this, this gets, it sort of branches out. And uh, the far left is somehow relating this horrible tragedy in Pittsburgh to Donald Trump, naturally. It, it all goes back to Trump. You've seen that. Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not misinformed no. about that. They are saying it's because of him. Right. It's because of him uh, that this shooting occurred. I don't know the connection, but they're saying that they're laying it, and and still today, even the funeral day, 
Oh yeah, they're asking him to stay away. You There's know, some ma- group of rabbis. Major on on online protests. I think they had like forty thousand signatures yeah. uh, telling him to stay away. They didn't mm-hmm. want him part of it. What, well, what's that was all Donald about? Trump president at Columbine? No, I think uh, not. Clinton was. Clinton was. If I'm yeah, not mistaken. Nine, it's twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, what was Clinton responsible for it? Uh, what about the Connecticut school shooting? That terrible event. Mm-hmm. Trump wasn't around then. Uh, who was the president at that time? I guess Bush, one of the Bush, you know, well, uh, the second Bush, I believe. The South Carolina uh, church shooting, where six mm-hmm. unfortunate people were killed uh, in a racial incident. Mm-hmm. Tr- where was Trump then? I, I, so this connection, well, it's because of his rhetoric, and they didn't use that kind of rhetoric. Uh, it's just that they won't let up <laughs> it's yeah. with with this. So uh, I have never uh, I've never understood anti-Semitism. Uh, I know it's there, and I've heard it from people. I've seen it. I grew up in a place there was no Jewish population, and I suppose we all get our attitudes from events in our lives from your environment yeah, yeah. now my father this is in the in southwestern virginia my father was a town manager and i was out i guess i was off in school or something so i never met this man but there was a jewish family that moved into town nobody seemed to pay a whole lot of attention to it because like most of us you know what you know we don't know anything about this uh because of the the lack of any association but I do remember that the, uh, the head of the household, the man, had come down to my father's office and he had offered to volunteer to do work. And he said, I think that was my responsibility, civic responsibility. We'd never heard of that either, anybody mm-hmm. doing that. But he was apparently an, ex- uh, an excellent draftsman. Mm-hmm. And so he would come down on his days off. I think he owned a business in the nearby city. So on, uh, I guess it would be Sunday in that case. I, I didn't know if the man was, an ortho, was orthodox or what. I have no idea. But he would come down and, and do work. Now, you'd have to know my father, I guess, to, to understand this. He's one of the very few people I ever heard my father say good things about. <laughs> my father was a rather insecure man. And uh, so really, even relatives, my father, he would always try to get a dig in. But he thought this man was, was the greatest thing in the world. And so that's what we, were, we learned and were taught. Hmm. And the first uh, Jew that I ever met, had any association with, I was in the Navy. And so it just happened that I happened to be brought up in a culture that was kind of isolated from this whole uh, anti-Semitic, yeah. anti-Semitic and what have you business. Uh, and so I never really could understand that. Uh, I got to tell you, there's a book called God, Jews, and History, written by an author named Max DeMont. It came out some time ago. And if you would read that book, I think this would be a cure for anti-Semitism if people had to read it, because it goes on with the history of the Jewish history, history of the Jewish people, and down through the ages and their accomplishments. Mm. And one at sort of toward the end of the book, he's getting up to modern times, the proportion of Nobel Prize winners, <laughs> of, of Jew to Gentile to Eskimo or, or South Sea slash other, it's incredible. Mm. The contributions that have been made in the arts, you go through that, yeah. because that's always been a big thing. 
But this, what prompted this? I guess we'll find out. I hope we'll find out what, what prompted this. Get in the mind of a madman. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about uh, the Squirrel Hill neighborhood out in Pittsburgh. I don't remember that much about it. I did work in Pittsburgh, of course, but this was back in the 60s. Yeah. And I know Squirrel Hill has always been a very heavily uh, Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And it's a very nice community. It is between the downtown and the University of Pittsburgh. I would say maybe five mile, four or five miles mm-hmm. from dead center downtown Pittsburgh. And it has, I was surprised to find out that it has remained after all these years, essentially a Jewish population, very nice people. There was never any problem with it. In fact, I, as I recall, people in Pittsburgh had a lot of respect. You live in Squirrel Hill. Oh, well, that's, that's almost like living in what, Sewickley, mm. or one of the, one of the you know, Tony neighborhoods in yeah. Pittsburgh. Mm. So uh, it's, it's very strange. And, of course, the bombing, sending the bombs out. That is, that's enormously curious. How many bombs? About 15, I think. Or, yeah, and 13 still, to 15. And they're still, yeah, they're, okay. They're, now, apparently no bomb, they, they, they apparently caught, found a couple of other things that were going to be sent system. out uh, you know, through the guy's belongings. Yeah, but interestingly enough, there was no explosion. Yeah. There was no, at least I read, there was no timing device. For them right. to go off. And mo- most of them did not have the potential of doing uh, They didn't uh, have the potential of exploding. Of detonating, yeah. So it's almost like, uh, again, you ask the question, what was the point? Except to make a point, I guess. And he sure, <laughs> he sure made the yeah, point. He sure did. But these little uh, were, uh, it was a couple inches long, mm-hmm. little pieces of PVC pipe that, again, would not have gone off. I mean, you'd have to put one in the oven and heat it up or light it or something right. with a torch. It looked like thumb drives from a computer. Yeah. Like, yeah like a- so, uh, again, so very, very curious thing. Oh, we had, uh, I guess, a prominent New Jerseyan got oh, one. And, and, yeah, Cory Booker. The, Senator uh, Spartacus. Uh, Spartacus. Senator Spartacus. He got, a, he got a package. Well, I can understand because he is terrifying to anybody who's not right. liberal. <laughs> <laughs> uh the, uh, he must feel honored. He must feel a, honored to be on that list. Yeah, right? the west end of a horse heading east. That, that's uh, <laughs> that's something. But he uh, his was a, what, a little tiny one too. Right. So I, I guess I, I, it's not demeaning. It wouldn't be to say maybe they intended it in his case to be a suppository. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Uh, but uh, at least New Jersey did not get left out. He got a sense of belonging. He's yeah. on. He's on the important list. But again, the timing of this. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this affects the election because the election is in a week. Yeah. A week from... Uh, a little less than two uh, weeks. A little less than two weeks. I know. Or is it no, a week? No, no it's, a it's, week, it's a week, right. I'm, I lost yeah. a week here, right? It's, it's right. next Tuesday. It is a Tuesday. week from the day that we're recording from, this right. on Tuesday. Uh, whose hands this plays into, I do not know. I think the common uh, wisdom is that it plays into the hands of the Democrats because they're laying all of these acts of senseless tragedy and violence on the Republicans, conservatives. Mm -hmm. And here you get the Democratic Party. It's quite a phenomenon. The Democratic Party, perfectly honorable party, has been the ideology, but the the party has been hijacked by the radicals to the left. Mm -hmm. And it is unfortunate, but if they come back into power uh, with the Congress, then the... The tail will start wagging the dog, and the Democrats, of course, there'd be very few objections to if they 
pursue their radical agenda. And heaven knows whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of radical agendas, I had a thought about this invasion coming up from the south. And a word about that. But first, I think we have a, another word. Hi, I'm Jim Gerhardt. I'd like to uh, tell you another story about Robert Dukansky at REMAX First Advantage. An investor in Port Reading found out the power of Rob Dukansky's marketing and why having a huge database of buyers is so important. Now, the buyer purchased and renovated a home, but it was sitting directly across from the turnpike, and that meant trouble. But no problem for Rob Dukansky. Rob and his team came in. They designed a specific marketing plan, matched the buyers to it. After 13 showings in two weeks, a bidding war took place, and it got him over the asking price. Now, that is the power of Rob Dukansky. Rob guarantees to sell your home at a price and a deadline you agree to, or he'll buy it. No risk because he'll let you out of the contract anytime. So what do you do if your real estate agent can't sell your home? Well, you call the official real estate agent of 101.5, and the only agent I would think of calling if I needed to sell my home, that's Rob Dukansky, 855-350-1015, 855-350-1015, or go online to robsellsnj.com and start your packing. Oh, and one more note here. Speaking of uh, what anti-Semitism, Semitism is horror that happened in Pittsburgh, uh, there was a, a story, a line that has always stuck with me, and it's something to think about. When uh, Benjamin Disraeli, a man named Benjamin Disraeli, was the prime minister of England during the reign of Queen Victoria. So this goes back. And uh, Benjamin Disraeli was a brilliant man. He was a Jew. He was a brilliant man, and it's very unusual for a Jew to hold an office that high. But uh, he was regarded as one of the top diplomats in Europe. Well, Queen Elizabeth uh, and the the government was about to send British troops. I don't know if this was Balaclava or which engagement it was, but they were about to send troops into battle. And uh, Queen Victoria, on her throne, was talking to her prime minister, Benjamin Disraeli, and uh, she said, or he said to her, uh, Your Majesty, may God bless your troops and, and your, your intentions in this battle. Queen Victoria is alleged to, or supposed to have said, according to the story, Mr. Disraeli, or Mr. Prime Minister, do you believe that there's a God? Disraeli said, of course, there is a God. And Queen Victoria said, well, what is your proof? He said, the Jew, your majesty, the Jew. Hmm. Think about it. (laughs) Think about it. Uh, Okay, now, let's get back. Let's come back home now. The uh, Governor Murphy, what is Governor Murphy up to? Well, naturally, after any event such as that that happened, the politicians immediately have to come out and start Talking about gun control. Typical politicizing of a tragedy. Oh, yeah, of course, because this is a chance to get some FaceTime on TV, radio, get in the media. And so they come out. But now Governor Murphy, this struck me as being rather interesting. Uh, Governor Murphy has called for additional gun control. Now, this is according to our New Jersey 101.5 news story this Mm -hmm. morning. He is proposing what he's calling Gun Safety Package 2.0. Now, here's what it consists of. It would become illegal for anyone who is disqualified from owning a gun to purchase or sell a gun. Don't we have such a law? Yeah. That's why you're disqualified. Right. (laughs) So it is illegal already. 
So it's doubly illegal now. <laughs> illegal squared. I, I, I don't know what. Gosh. Now, another one, he says, add. And then he would add a conviction for illegal firearms possession to the list of crimes that would disqualify a person from being able to purchase a gun. Why? Say what? Huh? All right. Moving on. Uh, quote. It cannot allow any daylight that would allow someone who does not have a legal right to possess a firearm from either receiving or selling a gun. Well, well, anyway, well, I'm I'm not governor. I don't I'm, I have no wisdom to back up. <laughs> it, it's it's his four years. All right here now, and finally here, bar individuals disqualified from owning a gun from purchasing ammunition. Now, that one, I don't know. I I do not have a license. So if you can't get can a gun, go you can't out? get ammo, or can you buy bullets without buying a gun? Apparently. I mean, according to this, it looks like you can. And he says, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and get to work. Well, I think you can leave your cuffs, <laughs> cuff links on. <laughs> Because I think there are laws already. Yeah, I think, does New Jersey have one of the more restrictive states for gun laws? It's one of the most restrictive. Legendarily, Chicago, with all the gun activity that goes on, has the strongest gun laws in the country. That's not particularly true. They're up there. Uh, But New Jersey gun laws are as strong. Mm. So I don't know, uh, again, uh, but again, it's a chance to... Well, we're talking about it, <laughs> and and we and we spelled his name right. I tell you, I, I want to say something in behalf of the governor. He's taken a lot of criticism for hires. Remember, he hired a corrupt public official who had done jail time for corruption, mm-hmm. uh, and he doubled down later and said he was very happy he did it because the guy did his time. They probably tied the yellow ribbon around the old oak tree when he came home and he got out. <laughs> But, uh, of course, that's against the law in New Jersey, so this guy went. Uh, The head of the school's development authority, then he uh, had to leave because of the allegation of rape and uh, or sexual assault. Well, I guess guess it was rape is what was accused. And uh, I think it was another one or two in the woodpile there. But this one, the deputy, I say the Department of Education fired the deputy director of the Professional Learning Network, which was hired by the Murphy administration. Now, the governor does not go out and hire all of these people. There are people who are in the, uh, right. the executive branch who do this, so it was not laid directly to him. Uh, but this person, now, mind you, this is a $70,000 a year job, which in New Jersey is barely above the poverty level. So this was not a very big fish in the administration, whatever the deputy director of the Professional Learning Network is. I don't know. But she was once suspended as a teacher for, quote, making fun of special ed students. This was in Edison. I have no idea whether it was one special ed student or more. But you don't have to do very much here. Now, here again, maybe you understand this. She made that remark, not in public, but in a, quote, group chat. You know what a group chat oh, is? Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a texting type uh, But it is o- like a cha- the old chat room thing. Right, you go back and forth. Okay, and, so yeah. it's not like she stood up and said that to a child or said it publicly. No. 
Okay, so here we go again with somebody who said something years ago in what they thought would be a private conversation. Now, uh, she said, again, according to the story, quote, she said special need, uh, she, she referred to special need students as morons. Uh, and that they took the, quote, tart cart home. What's a tart cart? I guess it's a little special needs buses. That they, uh, I guess I, I mean, this, this is pretty ridiculous yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. The Department of Education fired her and there were no comments. Look, uh, <laughs> I want to know, <laughs> we are too quick to throw the first stone, those without sin. Yeah. And people, up until now, I think we've all become aware of this. You can't go off, barricade yourself in the outhouse, 50 yards out from the house, and utter a proscribed word, according to political correctness, somebody's going to know about it. Yeah. I mean, if they don't see it on Facebook, you're getting bugged. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> and, and it, it just has gotten to the point of absurdity that these people are losing careers and losing jobs, having done practically nothing that should offend anybody. I think it was one of the classics to me was an excellent school teacher, one of the North Jersey towns, which I forget, who was fired because the school was going to have, uh, and this was a grammar school, lower school, they were going to have some big day celebrating, uh, what, uh, what would you call it, sexual uh, orientation, orientation, if mm -hmm. you want. So they were going to have the posters and they were going to teach the kids that all oh, this is peachy keen. She made the remark, and again on, on uh, social media, she thought she was only talking to a friend. And she said that as a devout believer, Christian, she had been taught that this was not good. So she wasn't sure. She had mixed feelings about participating yeah. in this. She was fired. There was a student at one of the major universities once I remember, who was asked in class, I don't know what the class was, sociology or something, if uh, anybody in the class has ever been taught that homosexuality is evil. Some guy raised his hand and said, yeah, they used to tell us that in Sunday school. He got thrown out of the class, mm. ultimately expelled from the university. Mm. He didn't say anything about it, uh, but w w we've just gone so far, so far with this. Yeah. That, that it's got the, the I was thinking this the, the dreaded n-word yeah if you would fire destroy the career ostracize vilify fine imprison whatever anybody who has ever used the dreaded n-word there'd be nobody left right. well, especially people of a certain age have you been following that uh, Megan Kelly thing with NBC? I uh, thought she, that was I, – I haven't been following it, but I, I know about it. How I, they, I, uh, I, they I just, saw the remark. He, it, it was a dumb remark. People do dumb things. Look at the big flap that happened here when Dennis and Judy said something, which even the supposed victim didn't think much about and deported himself in a very high fashion professional by way, saying yeah. a professional fashion by just, ah, well, you know, the guy said something silly. But the governor, of course, jumps in, and they politicize this stuff. Yeah. The Megyn Kelly, I, I think we were told they wanted to get rid of Megyn Kelly anyway. Right, because the ratings were not Well, what the they ratings expected. and the money. Yeah. See, this is why these networks are killing themselves. 
They passed out all these huge contracts. What does she make? $23 million a year? Something like that. She had like a $70 million and they contract. Got Mr. Snuffleupagus or whatever his name is on ABC. <laughs> and the same thing, $27 million a year. They can't afford it because advertising revenues are down. Yeah. And uh, so they're, they're, I think they're, they're looking, they're stepping night looking for ways to pare down the payroll. Right. So I, yeah, you have any, any, any thoughts about that? Um, it, you know, it's probably unfortunate that um, everybody's so sensitive about so many things. Well, I understand what she said was that she didn't see anything wrong with kids for Halloween putting on blackface. Yeah. Right, that's what and it she was. related it to somebody trying to look like Diana Ross or something, I, I something like of that. Sort. But uh, she she was making reference to when she was a kid that she said it was okay. Well, this is the old minstrel show, I it's, guess. Right, probably. And I've seen. I remember minstrel shows. I could probably lose the job by saying I once went to a minstrel show mm. because the local Lions Club in the little town I was brought up in had one every year. And this is that people, the, the blackface. Do you know the minstrel show, as I have uh, understood it, actually started back during the days of slavery or just after when the blacks would put on whiteface and put on a show, entertainment, parodying the, the, uh, the whites. It was one way they could speak out against what was going on, yes. and everybody would laugh at it. Yeah. So it, it was a parody thing. Using humor way back then. Yeah, yeah it, it, but... Nowadays, you see, the thing is, I, I it's this kind of thing of people sitting around the tables who are just shaking their head, but mostly saying, look, you're living in this day and time. You, you, you're very restricted with what you can say because people are out there waiting for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, just one more thing. Last night, did you see uh, uh, last night on public uh, television, PBS, they had a program on Facebook no, and how Facebook without because they were completely ignorant of what the the Pandora's box they were opening had contributed to so much chaos really contributed actually to uh, revolutions because anybody under the sun can get on there and come up with anything at all right and and they got into real specifics about in uh, when Russia was trying to take over the Ukraine which, of course, was always considered part of Russia. For years, it was known as Little Russia. Then they came up with the name Ukraine at some point, not terribly long ago. But they got on social media because they couldn't do this in the news, and they had all of these set-up stories with actors portraying and saying, weeping, oh, the, uh, the Ukrainians, they, they took my sons out, they killed my sons. They had stage pictures of a bunch of victims lying in a ditch, supposedly shot, and they were all paid, you know, extras. Right. And, and on social media, and people buy this. They say, well, God's on TV. It must be true. So that the next jump is to the accusation of Russian interference in the last election. Mm. Russia is interfering electronically with every government in the world right now. They even have a department set up to do it. Mm -hmm. So you've got cyber warfare going on here. And I guess we were sitting back too dumb to recognize it. Facebook, all they're saying is, we didn't know people would do things like that. <laughs> we, we got a billion people signed up from here. We thought everybody would just be happy and do happy, nice things and uh, you know, dance around and fellowship. <laughs> and now it's being used uh, uh, terribly detrimentally. Yeah. One more thing that I did want to mention is this invasion coming up from Central America. Mm. 
that's another thing that will play in. It's happening at a propitious time for somebody because of the election. They're a couple of weeks away from reaching the border, I guess. And, of course, uh, the latest news is they're sending 5,000 American troops down there. They say the troops are not going to have any contact with these uh, the people trying to get into the country illegally, but they will back up the border people. Right. What I don't know what that means. I guess we're setting well, up it's a tent, show of force. Yeah, I guess we're going to set up tent cities for these people and process or uh, well, send I, them if, back. Then, or if how? you're going to do that, why the hell go through the bother of stopping them if you're going to let them in anyway? You can't screen them. You ask a person's name. You don't have any idea if it's the right name or not. And you're not going to get in touch with a corrupt government back home or a government that's so inefficient they don't keep records to find out about it. But again, uh, the question has come up, who is organizing this and who's paying for it? Now, the people in, uh, what is it, Honduras or wherever they're coming from, many of them, uh, authorities there say that this is organized. It was very well organized and it was by paid organizers. So that brings up the name of old George Soros again. Oh, yeah. Now, Soros uh, is an interesting character. He is a funder, an enabler for practically any disruptive kind of leftist activity. Why does he do it? Is he an ideologue? No. He does it because what he's doing are things that disrupt government. Mm. And he's done this in other countries. If you can disrupt the government, you will have a negative effect on the economy. Soros moves in somehow through economic maneuvers I do not understand, but profits from that. Mm. And he's done that and practically broken several small countries. I think uh, Portugal, Ireland, now he's working on Hungary. Mm. He destabilizes, is the word, destabilizes the government. So this is, you'll notice that everything that he is behind or in works toward the destabilization of government. And then he will profit from that. I saw an interview with him, and it was fascinating. There aren't many. But the person doing the interviewing had brought up this stuff and says, you know, many people think this is, is evil. You consider yourself an evil man. Soros kind of smiled proudly and said, yeah, yeah, I am. And uh, it, But he does it for the sheer joy of <laughs> destabilizing governments and then moving in and profiting from them. But it's like a, a kid, you know, the school bully <laughs> or something because he can. And the big stick right. that he has, of course, is this huge amount of money, right. which he made in this country under this system that now he wants to destroy. <laughs> yeah. My guess is that Soros, who's yelling for open borders, doesn't give a damn about open borders. Uh, or anybody of the lot of the poor peasants in Central America. It's his opportunity to further try to destabilize the American economy. And then he will make a lot of money, and he'll sit back and sort of rub his hands together and lick his chops over and say, ha-ha, look what a great person I am. <laughs> so that's, that's coming up. Uh, oh, what else? What else going oh, and, on? And then there's Bob Menendez. Oh, God, what a SpongeBob or SleazeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Less than a week from the election, I must tell you that I, in the mail, I got my latest Bob Menendez flyer, and it's the endorsement of the NJEA of, of Bob Menendez. Well, of course. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not surprised. Well, they're not going to endorse a Republican. That's for sure. Right. I'm. I'm not surprised. But considering all of the charges against uh, Menendez, with all of the uh, the underage, uh, you know, prostitutes, prostitute. and uh, you know, basically mm-hmm. calling him a pedophile, that uh, the NJEA would uh, make him a champion of children. NJEA is not particularly interested in children. Uh, what was it? The this this was the National Education Association. Albert Shanker, the legendary president of that, uh, in New York, the uh, union was proposing something that many thought would not be in the best interest of the children, and so uh, the head of the union said, "Children," says, "I'll start caring about children when they start paying me dues," <laughs> and this is their general attitude. The uh, the number one agenda of the NJEA and, and other institutions is the perpetuation of itself and growing and providing more and more for their membership, which, of course, keeps the ones in power in power. So that's another game that's entirely being played. And I, th- I think to them, children are just a, a, an inconvenience <laughs> that they have to trip over on the way into putting in a day's work to get their pensions. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the Senate uh, race is very close. I mean, couple of depending on what poll you're looking at, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. a toss up right now, and we'll we'll see what's going to happen. Corruption over the next, doesn't uh, bother New Jersey voters. How many? I, I'm trying to remember. We were talking politics for what close to thirty years now. I don't remember a single person who lost an election because of corruption. We've had people elected who were on their way to jail. They're, they're, I, I talked to a couple of Democrats this week. I said, so you're voting for Menendez? They said, yeah. I said, really? After all of the nonsense uh-huh. that that guy has pulled while he's in office, he's betrayed the public trust? And they, they, they basically said, yeah, but I, I can't afford to give that vote to Trump if a Republican senator is elected. I'm like, uh-huh. Wow. That's that's a real telling well, thing. Well, you at least run into two voters who gave it some thought. I've not had that pleasure Gosh. quite yet. Um, but uh, I, I, I'll bet the, you. The, be- the, the, the business with the prostitutes, I, I thought that was not a good move for the Republicans to pull that. I understand mm-hmm. why. But I do remember at the time, and many people probably wouldn't, at the time that came up, that accusation was discredited. There was no proof of it. See, they're all saying, they're not saying that he was convicted of this. Right. It's just that, or even say that he was accused of it. They just say there is in the FBI files. True. Which there would be. But what, Somewhere in the files, there'd be somebody. Had, why w- but why would the Senate censure the guy and admonish him? That was over other things. That was not over that. Okay. I'm talking specifically about okay. that. Okay. Because he's totally self-serving. He represents pretty much himself and is profiting every conceivable way. From uh, from holding the office, and he'll continue to do so. He came out of the starting gate doing that. His first public act that I ever heard of was when he was in the Congress, United States Congress, before he became a senator. He got a million-dollar grant for a neighborhood organization in whatever his hometown was in North Jersey. I don't recall which town. He got a million-dollar grant for this community group. Then he rented the community group a property that he owned or what at the time, according to the Star-Ledger, the rent was three times <laughs> what the rent would have been normally. Oh, gosh. And so he's, he's been completely a self-server. 
All the more reason for us to send him send him back to Washington for us. Well, I, again, and I I, I I do not feel comfortable doing this, but I think and because I've I've seen it done for purely partisan political reasons, I try not to be partisan with this. I think a Democratic win of the Senate and the House of Representatives would be a catastrophe for the government as we know it. Because, again, although these may be very good people, they are under the control of the far-left bloc mm-hmm. there. And this, again, is the, the radical tail wagging the Democratic Party dog. It's the money block. It's the money, yeah. And uh, you are going to find that, uh, well, as I think I said before, I had, a, I had a list of these that I was reading last week. Yeah. Like, you know, so much. Well, the First Amendment's about gone anyway. Not that Congress made any law respecting free speech, but the left did, and they have enough intimidation uh, power to to pretty much block it. Uh, Certainly the Second Amendment would be a goner. Uh, The move, the radical move towards socialism, uh, you're going to have the taxing the bedickens out of you to pay for the social programs, open borders, and uh, on and on. You, you, you can have a list there. The Treasury pretty well looted to support their constituency, which is millions upon millions or hundreds, I guess, of entitlements, <laughs> because an entitlement will buy a vote. I think you're going to see a very, very high turnout next week for both sides for the election. Well, that, that would be encouraging anyway. Now, again, I, I do not do this in support of Republicans. Because I'm sure Republicans would do the same thing if they were capable and thought of it. <laughs> but they, the Republican Party has been so inept, I guess, since Reagan, really. And they get a little bit of power every now and again. You get the Bush. The Bush presidency was the greatest calamity, the second Bush, in our history. Uh, and I don't know how anybody could argue with that. What, have we been in war 18 years now? Mm. There was no necessity for it. There's no possibility of winning it. And on you go. Oh, that's another subject for another day. Yes. All right. Well, we get going here. <laughs> Take a deep breath and just start. Happy Halloween. Hey, happy Halloween. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, be very careful on what, Halloween. What are you giving out at, at your house? Nothing, hopefully. Nothing? <laughs> you're gonna keep the, the dogs are going to keep the kids away? I got nine Doberman Pinchers out right? in the front yard. They're eating all the candy. <laughs> and a sign. <laughs> beware of dogs. It says, beware of dogs. Uh, no, the puppies. They're, they're puppies. Right. I'm, I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought. Thought of that. I'm going to have to go home and think about that. I live in a neighborhood where there aren't any children anymore. There used to be. Right. But everybody grew up or got out. Then you buy candy and then you, and you end up eating it yourself. Well, that's what I was thinking. If I buy candy, I can eat it. Buy, I can buy, sit buy there, your favorite. Buy my favorite. Okay, listen, everybody have a great time. Bob, thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for listening to the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Still cooking and it's bigger than ever. From NJ1015.com.